This episode is brought to you in part by Wholehearted Love, a new book by Caleb and Stephanie Rouse. Overcome the barriers that hold you back in your relationships with God and with others and delight in feeling safe, seen, and loved with Wholehearted Love. For more information, go to Tyndale.com. I feel like we become fuller and more multifaceted people as we see Jesus in the other people that he's reflected in. And the more of those lessons that we can take on and learn about him from one another, the more beautiful I think our faith ends up being. How do you operate well in an online space? And how do you actually acknowledge your limits in that space and show up authentically without making social media or platform what you're focusing on? Well, this conversation with Elizabeth Santelman, we talk about limits. We talk about limits in parenting. We talk about limits even in our past and how we can move forward with hope, both in our personal lives and in online spaces. Listen in to this conversation with Elizabeth. Welcome to the Finding Holy Podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Hales, author of A Spacious Life. I love big ideas, but ideas have to move beyond an ivory tower to find their application in the midst of our work and our laundry routines. Here on the Finding Holy Podcast, expect conversations about how to live faithfully in a post-Christian world, but without the vitriol, posturing, or shouting across the aisles. Welcome to the Finding Holy Podcast. It is really fun to have a friend here on the podcast, Elizabeth Sandelman. She is on Instagram as Sunshine in My Nest. So, Elizabeth, tell us a little bit about you, what you do online, and we are excited to chat about limits. And as we segue into the next kind of series about going back to go forward, I think you're going to be such a great bridge. So, thanks for being here. Thanks. So I'm Elizabeth. I'm married to my husband, Joseph, and we have three little boys. We live in Oklahoma. My oldest is eight, then my second is five, and we have a one-year-old baby who hopefully will nap through this entire session. So uh, (laughs) I understand. uh, I moved to Oklahoma because I was really passionate about children's ministry and got a job here that was supposed to be an introduction to what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. And little did I know Mm -hmm. it would be an introduction to what I would do for the rest of my life. So what was supposed to be a one-year job has turned into, well, I've lived here 11 years uh, last month. Mm-hmm. So tell us, you know, as we think about, you know, limits and the ways in which they shape and form us, and you are a mom to three littles, and, you know, you're homeschooling, and you're also writing things yourself. Um, what have those, how have those limits of your time and attention and your body shaped you? Oh, wow. Yeah, it's, it's really challenging to balance everything and to continually remember like what is my season now isn't my forever season Mm. and to do the little tiny bits of things that I can do with my time now 
to help form the character of who I am and the position of where I am Mm. for future me. So um, Mm. I first started writing and being involved in a more public way right before the birth of our second son. And I didn't really know what direction I wanted to take things. I knew the real work God had for me probably wouldn't begin until I was in my 40s. Um, But what I wanted to Mm -hmm. do is to set myself up so when I got to that place that I was spiritually ready for that role because I I just felt Mm, like a continual returning to that. And I saw, I think one of the things we had talked a tiny bit before hopping on about deconstruction. And one of the things that I was seeing among a lot of my peers is starting too soon and leading people astray because Mm. there was the lack of maturity and depth that was needed in order to fill the roles that people were taking on. And so for myself, I wanted to be really cautious. Part of that comes from my background um, and not wanting to inflict pain on people based on things that I had experienced and um, seeing some of my own personal tendencies to be uh, critical and harsh and judgmental and knowing that the Holy Spirit needed to Mm -hmm. soften me. Um, I think I've Mm. scrubbed all of those previous writings from the internet, (laughs) but, (laughs) um, but trying to take the time to soften and allow the Holy Spirit to soften me and grow me and give Mm. me more life experience. So, oh, that's so beautiful. It took me way longer to learn that. So (laughs) like, I, you know, I, I write about in a spacious life about, you know, fighting and kicking against those limits. Um, but to see them as invitations, Mm is super humbling and extremely necessary. So that's such a mm-hmm. thank you for um, just sharing some of those limits, you know, as, and as we think about, so tell us a little bit about your work online and what that looks like. And then I would love to get into talking about, so, I mean, you write about motherhood, right? And so you're writing, yeah. you're writing not only your own stories, but your children's stories. And so how do we how do we talk about things that are personal and private, but in a public way mm-hmm. without exploiting, you know, our children? So that's, yeah, what, I mean, that's yeah. a whole nother book, I'm sure. But, you know, in the age of Instagram influencers and mommy bloggers and all of that, it can be really hard to let our kids have their own story. Um, yeah. It's just all woven together. So I'd love to hear how you kind of process some of that as a mother. For sure. So with the limits thing, I had to learn limits pretty quickly because um, my body just doesn't do pregnancy and afterbirth life very well. (laughs) And so I had all kinds of like body depletion and stuff that would just leave me laying on the couch unable to do anything except for whatever could be done there for a week and a half, two weeks out of every month after I gave birth. And so... um. But as to guarding our children's privacy, um, so my husband and I have had so many conversations connected to this. Um, I think it's naive to think that we're not going to leave any sort of digital footprint for our kids online. Mm -hmm. And so trying to figure out like the wise way to step into leaving a digital footprint Mm -hmm. for our children. Mm -hmm. Um, So one of the things, so I, we homeschool using the Charlotte Mason method. Mm -hmm. And, um, I read, it was for the children's sake 
um, several years ago. And I feel like a concept in there has continued to trickle through and translate all the way through for us. Mm -hmm. And it's respecting your children's as a whole person. Mm -hmm. And so looking at them and asking yourself before you share anything online, would I want this shared of me doing this? So making sure that you're painting your children in a flattering light, or even if you're sharing things that have been a struggle for you and your child, are you doing it in a way that's respecting the fact that the Holy Spirit is sanctifying them as a person Mm -hmm. and that he's sanctifying you as a person and you're walking this spiritual journey together. So not, um, not behaving in a condescending way Mm -hmm. towards your children as you're walking the spiritual path. And, um, as you're like, again, just going back to like, is everything that I am saying and showing about our family life respectful to my child? And, um, uh, when I started, it was really a journal to them. Mm. And so knowing you can't erase anything from the internet. And so when they're 30 years old, they're going to be able to go back and see like, this is how my mom treated me as a toddler. Mm. So in some ways, viewing it as an additional element of accountability, like Mm. this is how I'm thinking about them. This is how I'm speaking about them. This is how I'm, um, approaching the way that we live our life. And, um, the dirty secret aspect of how mm-hmm. I do this is I follow a couple of Reddit forums mm-hmm. that are extremely critical of moms who overshare their kids. Uh-huh. Um, just to see like, what's the, ex- like, I know a lot of times people there are like eating each other and right. it's not a balanced or a wholehearted perspective either, but like, what's the worst case scenario? Mm-hmm. Like what are the worst case things that people are saying could happen by a parent sharing online. And I think just being aware of, of those types of conversations are really helpful in making sure that you're approaching social, social and digital um, things in balance. Yeah. No, that's really wise. So many good helpful tips. Um, yeah, I found it like I used to share a lot more pictures, right, of my kids when they were smaller. And yeah, now that they're teens and tweens, you know, like they hardly are, you know, on my feed um, because it's been really tricky to right? figure out how how to do that and how to be, you know, in a digital space and also let them have their own stories. So, yeah, who have been some of your influences that have helped you to parent from this sort of gracious perspective. Um, and then we'll kind of maybe get into where that came from. I mean, as long as there's been history, there've been people who like are in ministry and are sharing their families in a public forum. And I don't know if this is quite what you're getting at, but I remember the tradition that I grew up in. A lot of times pastors use their kids as the butt of their sermon illustrations. And Mm so, um, I know it's not directly like one-to-one applicable, but under like as a child listening to that, I could almost feel the embarrassment on behalf of the pastor's kids who were sharing those types of things. And so just being really careful that I'm not being the, the, the parent in that scenario, who's doing things like that. And, um, Someone who I really respect and who I think has done this really beautifully is Sally Clarkson. And I've read Mm -hmm. so many of her books. And it's really interesting because her children are closer to my age and are coming of age and writing their own stuff now. And things you find out behind the scenes that the family was struggling with that she never talked about. She talked about wholehearted parenting and she talked about... um, 
of what it meant to be a mother without giving away what her children's very personal struggles were. And then now that they're old enough, they've started telling their own stories and you realize like, oh my gosh, like, yes, that would have made her more relatable on an entirely different scale, but that wasn't her story to tell. And she respected her kids by not telling the story that wasn't hers to tell. And um, I hope I can be that kind of mom. Mm -hmm. No, I think that's beautiful. And I I love Sally Clarkson and her work and and I love following their kids too. (laughs) Um, Yes. I mean, they're not kids. They're all grown adults now, but, um, but you know, I think that's really wise to think about the ways in which we can we can engage with loss and pain and suffering, but that there is a modesty of, of heart and soul that's also appropriate, you know, in, in online spaces that we, we don't talk about much about how to actually cultivate that kind of, that restraint um, that mm-hmm. is actually a gift to other people. Because yeah, it mm-hmm. would, you, you, it's like, you know, if we splash something around or enumerate the challenges, you know, we get maybe the immediate feedback, but maybe we are not actually following the fruit of the spirit that way. (laughs) So, yeah. Yeah. So what did that look like for you? You know, as we're moving into a new series soon, and we're going to be talking about what does it look like to actually go back in order to go forward. And, you know, I know obviously you've, you like all of us and have experienced, you know, particular loss and challenge and trauma. Mm-hmm. And so the ways in which you have been able to move forward in parenting graciously, right? Mm-hmm. And that you are hopeful um, about the future yeah. rather than simply, you know, laying blame in the yeah. past. Yeah. How have you been able to like process that? You know, cause I guess I see often I'll see two things online, right? When, when people have gone through abuse or trauma, um, there's, there's this sense in which, and rightly so, right. That, that there is justice that is required Mm -hmm. and restitution that is required. Mm -hmm. And there is a reckoning that's required. That's what the gospel requires of us. Right. And what the gospel requires that Jesus went through. Mm -hmm. And yet there is also a sense in which that process of justice and healing should lead us to be able to love our enemies, right? To be able Mm -hmm. to move forward and to be hopeful even for the people that have hurt us and we have hurt. Um, I think like that's what the love of God calls us to. And so what does that look like? And you don't need to go into specifics, but for you to be able to come out on the other side of your own losses and pain, to look forward with hope, to look forward to restoration, you know, so that you can begin to think about, yeah, how do I steward my story well? How do I steward my kids' stories well? So, I mean, I guess I, at the beginning stages of all of it, I responded as poorly as anyone. Um, I had a Bible that I had kept from the time I was 12. It had all my notes in it because I started reading through the Bible every year when I was 12. Um, and uh, it had all of the notes, everything I had learned, everything I had grown. And in my aha moment of some of the traditions that I had been raised with were not in line biblically. Mm-hmm. I trying to parse out and figure out what was biblical and what wasn't was so exhausting and so overwhelming. 
I threw the Bible away Mm -hmm. and I was done. I was done with Christianity and I had about six months where I was just, I was over all of it. I wasn't, it, it wasn't, it wasn't some, it, to me, it didn't feel worth the work. Um, and I would give anything to have it back now, like to see the way my brain was working and the way that the Holy Spirit was guiding me, even in some of those really dark moments. Mm -hmm. Um, but God was faithful and I had just given birth to our first son four months before and in trying to figure out the values that we wanted to raise him with and um, having a husband who was there and holding me through those experiences with his faith, even though my faith was shaken and gone and exhausted and tired. Um, And then because of that, I feel like I've been able to look at every person's life and to understand everyone has those parts and pieces of their story that make them who they are. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes in the church, the things that happen that cause pain to other people are often caused by the pain that's already been experienced by that person and not necessarily out of malice. Of course, you're always going to have people who are entering into a space Um, trying to get what they can out of Mm -hmm. whatever the experience is. Mm -hmm. But whether it be through inexperience with the word or inexperience in handling the word or um, pain and experiences that they've had um, in their lives, um, we all have, we all are operating and trying to get through a broken world and the odds of having not getting any sin mud splashed on us. Like that's what I call trauma now is sin mud. Like we're just trying to walk through as trying to keep clean as best as possible. And it cannot even be at the hands of our parents or someone who loves us dearly. Like our, my children are even going to get sin mud on them because we're trying to walk through an incredibly dirty street, you know? Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's a matter of where we're going to get it, not if we're going to get it. And um, understanding that everybody Everybody has it, whether they're telling their full story or not. Um, And I guess, so for me, just trying to help minimize the amount of sin mud I'm splashing on other people and create create as few traumas, hopefully, on others Mm -hmm. as I can through life. Mm -hmm. So... I love going for a walk. And it's not just moving my body. I find that walking, like neuroscientists have told us, is actually good for so much. The brain works differently. New neural pathways are created. We're more creative. And it's not just the brain. As we walk, we can actually grow and enlarge our souls. So I want to invite you this Lenten season to walk at a human pace. I am going to have a 40-day meditative companion for you as you go on a walk this Lenten season. I will read some scripture to you and ask you some thoughtful questions to help prepare not only your body, but your mind, heart, and soul as we all walk towards Easter this Lent. It'll be available for purchase on March 1st. And if you want a reminder, head to my website at aahales.com. To get a reminder, go to aahales.com so you will be walking with me at a human pace. This episode is brought to you in part by Beyond Ordinary Women Ministries, which prepares Christian women for leadership. 
At Bao, we believe that every woman is a leader because she influences someone. So, whom do you influence? Do you mentor a woman, serve in the workplace, or do you lead a small group, teach the Bible, or even lead an entire ministry? No matter who or how many you influence, our free online resources will help equip you. Our videos, podcast episodes, and articles from experienced women leaders will encourage you and perfect your leadership skills. They offer wisdom for dealing with ministry pitfalls, current biblical issues, health for your own soul, and insights for shepherding others well. In addition, Bao offers Bible studies designed to connect women of multiple generations. They provide a challenge to both women new to the Bible and those wanting to dig deeper. Be our guest and browse all of our free resources and low-cost Bible studies at beyondordinarywomen.org. I knew what really strikes me as I hear you talk too is this, you know, this humility in the sense that like you're going to mess up, <laughs> right? Like yeah. the goal is not perfection. You know, the goal is, yeah. is repentance, right? And to live mm-hmm. and to move forward mm-hmm. in hope, um, which is so encouraging. Yeah. I mean, it's really the only way we can keep going. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. So what does that look like practically um, in your home, you know, as you're sharing your life, what are your, what are you hopeful for, you know, in your, in the online world that you're able to offer, you know, your, your followers and, you know, the, the folks that maybe might be a few stages earlier than you, you know, how do you, you know, in a lot of ways, the question is, you know, how, how is your current work then showing maybe a compassion for your younger self? Yeah, yeah. So I think it really is very similar, both in the way that I parent my children and in the way I show up online of refusing to come be looking down from a pedestal on this Mm -hmm. is me Mm -hmm. and I have it figured out like and you should do (laughs) what I do, you know, Mm because I feel like that's where we set ourselves up for falling. Um, Mm -hmm. But instead, uh, I think it's really neat. One of the things that really changed the way that I view raising kids and coming alongside and mentoring is understanding any of us can become a Christian at any stage of our life. Like John the Baptist even kicked inside of his mother's womb, which some people argue is an act of faith in utero, you know? And so uh, like in that case, my infant who I've birthed is my brother or sister in Christ. And I have additional responsibility to them, but they're already walking the faith walk with me. And so Mm -hmm. I have to be humble and learn from them because in some ways children are closer to the kingdom Mm -hmm. of heaven than we are as adults. And so, Mm -hmm. um, there's nobody in our home who is coming down toward the other one. Like we're all equal brothers and sisters in Christ together. And mm-hmm. same way online, like it doesn't matter what faith tradition a person has come from. Probably some of this has come because I've jumped a lot from denomination to denomination. Um, mm-hmm. And I have learned something really beautiful about Jesus from every single place that I've been. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Um, we like, I feel like we become fuller and more multifaceted people as we see Jesus in the other people that he's reflected in. And the more of those lessons that we can take on um, and learn about him from one another, the more beautiful I think our faith ends up being. So Mm -hmm. online, like I want to be the best reflection of him 
toward others, but then at the same time, like in my messages and in the comments, like people are always uh, rounding out how I believe about God and what I believe about Christ and the gospel. And um, it really is a sh- like people sharpening each other scenario. Mm-hmm. So. And I mean, mm-hmm. I've said some stuff that is totally off base before as I've been growing. And like, <laughs> yeah, the great thing about having developed like community online is I have a group of people there who are not afraid to call me out when I'm a step and having yeah. humility yeah. to add like a thing at the end, like you're right. Like there was one I was talking about mothers. Oh, and I was asking if when you were a kid, you thought your mother was a superhero and couldn't get sick, like just kind of grappling with the, like realizing how human parents are, even though for some of us, like our parents seemed superhuman. And I had a whole bunch of people say like, no, like my mom was an abusive person who didn't get out of bed. And it's like, oh, wow. I was like really approaching this topic from a very singular point of view and Mm -hmm. making sure that I'm including everyone's stories and experiences as part of um, the way that I'm thinking about things, not just a a certain type of experience. So, right. Yeah. And you know, it, it strikes me too, when you're online, you can easily become you know, like a lightning rod, you know, my, my husband likes to say pastors are lightning rods for, for everyone's issues, you know, and they, <laughs> they attract them. And I think, I think folks online can, can operate similarly, like, you know, like, well, you didn't mention my experience. Um, and so there's a, yeah. a required humility, you know, acquired listening, um, mm-hmm. and a sense too, that, you know, like, we're not going to be able to be all things for all people all the time. Maybe just Paul, who said he was yeah, all things. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I think I think yeah. we're called to try. Like in in Paul's in Paul's desire for that, I think I think there's a there's a place for really wanting that and for attempting to meet people where they're at. And even though we may do it really in a, a really broken way, like that's where the humility comes in of like. Oh yeah, you know what? You're right. I that wasn't my experience. I didn't think about that. Mm-hmm. Let me add that and make sure that future people aren't hurt or harmed by missing mm-hmm. out on their experience. And I think we can do that in a better way than we ever have before in human history because we are getting live real-time feedback on the things that are coming out of our mouth and the accountability cuz before you used to write a whole book, release it into the world and right, then the feedback right. came, you know, where with with online form like especially for someone as young as I am and needing some of that pushback, you know, you're not wading out into the world for the first time not knowing mm-hmm. how people are going to handle it. Like it's slowly and incrementally grown and you've I feel like I've gotten a wider and wider demographic of people mm-hmm. speaking mm-hmm. into stuff like that and so um growing growing in and along through that in some ways it's kind of a really great time to be in your 30s so. <laughs> I love it that's so fantastic um yeah I mean we do get the sense of sharpening each other in those spaces in ways that we haven't you know before even just like way back in the day right just blogging was like just throw your thoughts into the world you know um Mm -hmm. everything was kind of very monolithic yeah how do you see your work online um as contributing to God's kingdom what does that feel like for you you know as you think about the online space and this a place to minister yeah so for me I started thinking about it as an extension of hospitality um 
they're like, and not to neglect actual real life hospitality because we do a lot of actual real life hospitality too. It doesn't make it onto um, the digital world because, like I said, our friends aren't particularly right. comfortable having their lives online, which is fine. Um, right. But yep. every day, thousands of people are being invited into my living room. And to see the way that the mm-hmm. gospel works in a family, to hear the language of the gospel in a family life, um, in easy scenarios, in education scenarios, in difficult scenarios, uh, you know, not raw, like not speaking, like, you know, we have already discussed right. that, but, um, but being able to see like practically what are the resources gospel families are using? Mm-hmm. What are the, like, what is the daily structure look like? What does it look like to have breakfast? And everything is isn't polished. You can't be polished 24 seven, you know? So if you're sharing online, there's going to be like, people have seen my pile of dirty laundry and people have seen my unmade bed. And like, it's inviting people into that in order to see Jesus in a way that he hasn't been able to be seen before. And I think through that, like, Mm -hmm. I am so blessed by other people inviting me in, in that way. I've learned about incredible books. I've learned about, um, new language surrounding, uh, I was just watching a little, uh, IGTV clip where Abby Wedgworth was, um, helping her brothers have kindness toward one another. And it's like, oh, she uses different words than I do. Like, I need to think about those. Or, you know, it's it just expands the mm-hmm. conversations we're having. Like, and, you know, it's the same types of conversations my sister and I are having on the phone. Like, oh, have you thought about yeah. not saying, oh, that's bad. Don't be bad. Be like, you know, like, it, but can we frame this in like, make sure we're being gentle or like including the fruit of the spirit in the way that we're correcting our children? Or was that loving or mm-hmm. um, let's, let's use our words for kindness, you know? And I think together mm-hmm. we're able to create a better vocabulary um, because we're all sharing our best ideas with each other. And I think that's, that's, mm-hmm. so there's the beauty in being able to welcome each other into the mess, but then there's also the beauty into showing one another the best parts of what we're doing so we can borrow that from mm-hmm. each other too and parenting you know you just get a whole bunch of co-parents it's amazing yeah yeah I love it thanks for giving us like a redemptive view of social media <laughs> I love it it's so good <laughs> it's actually one of the things I'm most passionate about and if I could write and publish something in every sp- single space on the topic because I think we've seen it done really badly I think <laughs> social media is like when done by the world is navel gazing yeah. and projecting and like we get to see the like we get to see sin on display everywhere pride and boastfulness and all of these things but I think the thing that the Christian community has really missed is like the gospel can redeem social media too mm-hmm. and if we're using it as a tool in the same way that we're living our lives we can show people an entirely different side and it makes me so sad when some of the deepest people I know are trying to get book deals and can't get a book deal because they don't have a social platform. But part of that is because they've rejected social platforms mm-hmm. as a as a way of expressing themselves. And I get that not everybody is going to use it in the same way and not everybody's called to it in that way. But we really, we have to open our hearts to that side of things of, um, or else I think people with messages that need to be heard aren't going to be heard. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, no, I think, 
I mean, it's so complicated. And I think what I hear you saying too, is that there, there is a way in which we can use the platform or operate in the platform that is an important way of how we deal with it. Not just simply like what we say or content, right. But also how we engage with the platform, um, is a really important. Yeah. Thing. Cause I mean, we, we all have the person on Facebook too, that all they do is share Bible verses. And I mean, I'm sure their heart is in the right place too. But like, if I wanted to, like, I'd rather read my Bible verses in context of the Bible, right. like, or the inspirational quotes or sermon quotes or whatever. Like, so I feel like there's such a balance and that's why I've come to think of it as a form of hospitality, mm-hmm. like sharing your real self. And that can be really hard. Like there's all kinds of personal growth and navigation that has to happen in order to to do that mm-hmm. too, you know? Yeah. Um, but then at the same time, like, so we're showing people Jesus by the way we live our lives. It doesn't have to be, yes, you need to be on social media sharing 12 times a day, like 12 separate verses or a sermon and a quote. And, you know, right. like there, and I think that's one of the things I've just recently been introduced to is like living, like, you know, there's the verse that's, whatever you do, whether you eat or drink, do all for the glory of God. Mm-hmm. And it started when I was reading, oh, what is the name of that book? The Liturgy of the Ordinary. Yeah. Um, and she talks about like cleaning your house is an act of worship yeah. and uh, parenting your children is an act of worship and doing your dishes and doing your laundry mm-hmm. is an act of worship. And so if we're, if we're, sh- sharing those acts of worship, we're inviting our brothers and sisters into worship mm-hmm. with us. Mm-hmm. And, um, it's in a really, really different sort of way, but I think it, I think it's a really beautiful sort of way too. Mm-hmm. And, um, before all of the mommy people that I was seeing on Instagram, the, like the LD, LDS church is yeah. really strong online. Mm-hmm. Um, and if we, as gospel believing people abandon the platform all we're leaving for the young families and the people on the periphery of Christianity to see the way that family life looks like as people who are still there. And so I think in some ways, some of us have to try to venture into the like navigating and figuring out what social media looks like as a, as a family who's living out the gospel, because there, there needs to be that representation there for Christian Mm -hmm. families. So, yeah. Sorry, got me excited. Word. This is my favorite topic. No, it's a good <laughs> word. I love it. I love it. So, so tell our listeners, you know, where they can connect with you. And yeah, if you have any special offers, I don't know if you've, you've got something cool in your shop, but yeah, let us know how we can support your good work. Yeah. So, um, I am mostly on Instagram at sunshine in my nest. Um, and I also have a blog because some of the stuff, it was just starting to get to be too much for just Instagram and you can save Mm -hmm. things as a highlight, but nobody's ever going to find it again. And so trying to make some of the resources more searchable. I have no offerings right now. I have a tiny shop that has a couple things in it. My neighbor's working on me for that because, um, I just, to me, I, I want whatever I'm learning to be accessible to people. So as of now, everything's just free and accessible and, um, yeah, pop over and say hi in your forties. Yes. Yes. Well, and I do, (laughs) I do have a book coming out, um, next fall and it's very different than what I had anticipated my first book would be, but 
it was one of those things, as soon as I opened it, I was like, yes, this is what God's been preparing me to write. I actually got goosebumps when I um, first heard of the concept. So it is a children's Bible rewritten, but it's just first and second Samuel. So it's part of a bigger series um, with Read Kaleidoscope. And so I'm really excited about it. It was my first choice of if I could have picked any books of the Bible to get to write on. And a lot of them were already taken, but the ones I want wanted weren't so yay well we'll look forward to that it'll be great well elizabeth with three little kids and a husband what does your laundry routine look like <laughs> oh dear um i also heard that this is your typical question it as is. i've listened to your other things <laughs> yeah um <laughs> um so right now um uh, let me just tell you a story to illustrate. Um, I was supposed to go to a conference. I had to get up really early on Saturday um, to go. And I had laid out everything except for socks. Because, I mean, how hard can socks be to find, right? Yeah. Um. So I was completely ready. All I needed was socks. And I went to my drawer and there were no socks. And so um, I may or may not have worn dirty socks to the conference because we just had to rewear. Yeah. This, that's the situation for laundry in our house. Yeah. Is yeah. like you you don't do it as long as possible. And then everybody's out of underwear and socks and like we do 13 loads and so sometimes I'm the one that breaks and does it sometimes my husband is the one that breaks and does it but then we just do like everything on one day so we don't have to worry about it again and our table is piled with heaps of laundry so yeah nothing nothing organized I guess so this story is a this question is a real shot of humility for our house well I think it also just you know like we can't be all, like we can't do everything and we can't be perfect at everything and we no. can't have you know no. and it is a, it's just a good reminder that maybe the laundry is the thing that needs to slide so that you can you know mm-hmm. have a snack with your and kids. I have I have three boys so food is always going to out prioritize laundry but there is always going to be a lot of laundry being created so I feel yes. like it's one of those yeah. things it'll probably be 18 years before I'm caught up on laundry so. <laughs> Oh, well, thank you, Elizabeth. Thank you for your vulnerability, for your, your help and, you know, thinking about like, how does our life online, how's our life and our families be an act of hospitality? Thank you. Friends, I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Elizabeth Santelman. You can follow her on Instagram at sunshine in my nest. And be sure to get some good encouragement for your own wholehearted living, whether that's as a parent or as a single person, you're sure to find her wisdom invaluable. As we think about moving forward, as we bridge these two series between limits and art and the limits that are ours to embrace so that we are able to go back to go forward, I want to leave you with one small step. I would encourage you to find a trusted friend or colleague or someone in your family that you might want to actually practice going back to go forward. Maybe that's something that you want to kind of dig up from your childhood or a particular faith tradition. Maybe it's a comment about the color of your skin or the size and shape of your body or how you were perceived maybe as a child. And I want you to simply articulate that with a trusted and safe friend. And to begin then to acknowledge that wound, that pain, so that you can actually move forward. Because like Elizabeth reminded us, so much of our pasts 
that have, of course, got that sin mud on us means that sometimes we distance ourselves from other people. We distance ourselves from the people of God, and we distance ourselves even from ourselves. And so the gift of going back to go forward is to actually acknowledge those wounds that we've inflicted or have been inflicted upon us and to bring them not only to other people, but also to Jesus. So after you sit and maybe just say even something very small with someone in your real life, I'd encourage you to bring that to Jesus in prayer as well. We can only grow as much as we're able to name our losses and to move forward in hope. So I hope that's just one small step that will begin to reshape us as people who long for beauty and hope and restoration as the storyline of the universe. Thanks for being here, friends. It is an honor to walk alongside you. I hope that you will go ahead and sign up for Walking at a Human Pace. It's going to be an audio offering in my shop. You can find out more at aahales.com shop to help you walk at a human pace this Lenten season. And as always, remember, big things matter, but so does your laundry. This episode was brought to you in part by the Table Podcast at Dallas Theological Seminary. Listen to rotating hosts discuss issues of God and culture to demonstrate theology's relevance in everyday life. Find it on your podcast app. For videos and more, visit dts.edu podcast.